Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones, back here on the eve of college basketball season. Yes, college basketball tips off tomorrow. The Boilermakers will begin one of the most anticipated seasons in recent memory tomorrow at 6.30 against Samford. I'll talk a little bit about basketball here today, but first I will touch on Purdue football's 41-13 loss at Michigan yesterday. Uh, the Boilermakers fall to 2-7 and seven on the year. I'm uh, going to talk about that first before we get into hoops. If you don't already, be sure to follow the show on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You are always welcome to send in questions. You can either do that on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond, or via email, boilersandbeyondpod at gmail.com. Let's get into this football game, though. As you know, I will pretty much always talk about football first on these Sunday shows. Uh, Purdue loses 41-13 to up in Ann Arbor against Michigan. You know, this is... It, this is exactly what everyone expected. You know, Purdue is a 32.5-point underdog. Uh, it covers the spread on a touchdown with a couple seconds to go. But this is a game that was over as soon as it started. Uh, like that, you know, at the snap of a finger, Michigan was up 17 nothing, and this game was over. Uh, Purdue kept, kept it, you know, reasonable for a while. Purdue was down 20-6 to into the third quarter down 14 with the ball, but there was really never much reason to believe that Purdue could could pull it off, that Purdue could really, you know, flirt with scoring enough to win this game. Uh, Michigan, you know, M Michigan was clearly the better team. Uh, Michigan wins the yardage battle big time at 445 to 269. It it is what it is. You know, this This is how the game was going to go. I talked about it on the midweek show. It was probably one of the worst episodes I've ever done because there's just not much to say. And there still isn't much to say here. One thing I want to give Purdue credit for is that Purdue didn't quit. Now, that's a little bit double-edged because if Purdue had quit... I don't think that'd be the best look for a first-year head coach if you know guys are starting to fade off mentally already. But you didn't see any of that from Purdue. It was 17-0 quickly, but Purdue didn't give up. Purdue didn't back down. Purdue didn't fold. Purdue easily could have folded, and this game could have been like 59-3, to and no one would have really said much because Purdue is a massive underdog. Purdue's not having a good season, but you know, for those who follow Purdue closely, those that are around it, I think it was really good to see Purdue keep fighting, keep playing hard. You saw some good stuff on defense. Nick Scorton, another big game, two sacks for him. Solid day for Dylan Thieneman. It's it's the same thing every week, guys. It, it really is. It's these three guys on defense that make good plays. Uh, the rest of the defense was fine. You know, it wasn't it wasn't some great, you know, defensive performance, but, you know, Purdue probably got about all you could ask out of it. Uh, interesting stuff to see Antonio Stevens in there more. He got some more reps than we've used, been used to seeing. Uh, a little bit of rotation, you know, Joe, Joe Anderson plays a little bit more. Joseph Jefferson gets a couple snaps. Uh, so we saw some new stuff, but... You know, none of it's surprising. 
Uh, it's good to see Purdue rotate some. As I've said, Purdue's got to know what it has going into this offseason, and I think that's even more true on offense than it is on defense because, look, let's face it, yesterday was another performance by Purdue's offense that was suboptimal, that wasn't great. Uh, Hudson Card, under 50% completion, 144 yards, a touchdown, a pick. You know, I don't want to... I don't want to sit here and hammer on the guy because there are a million factors at play here. He's running for his life back there. The offensive line's a mess. There aren't wide receivers that create a ton of separation. But I I really think when Purdue signed Hudson Card, it was thinking that it would get better than 58 58% completion, 207 yards per game, and a 9-8 touchdown-interception ratio. Through nine games, that's where Hudson Card's at. I don't know that that is... That's what Purdue thought it was getting. And that's not to say that it's all on Hudson Card, because it's not, but Purdue's offense is really limited right now. Um, You know, the run game is fine, but it's not a run game that's going to carry you. You know, like yesterday, Purdue rushes for four yards a carry. It's a solid day, but Purdue's not going to be able to line it up at you and just run it down your throats like an Iowa, like a Wisconsin. That's not how Purdue's built. We saw more rotation at receiver. Uh, It's a bummer to see Mershon Rice get in there, have a big play. He gets hurt. Jaden Dixon-Veal, another solid day. Uh, But, you know, you see it. You see it in the box score. You know, nothing Nothing is jumping off the page. And, you know, Andrew Sawinski gets out there. We hadn't seen much of him this year. But, again, Yasin doesn't play. He sits out again, which, you know, as I said, probably not the worst decision in the world because you don't need him that badly for the Michigan game. You need him for these next three. But, you know, it's, it's a bummer of a loss these these two schools don't play the same sport really you know they're in the same conference for the same sports but everything around football there is just different than it is at Purdue and that's the same for Ohio State Penn State those three are playing a whole different game from the rest of the Big Ten you saw that you know you saw the talent gap you saw the size gap the physicality gap it was all on display Uh, Michigan certainly wanted this thing to to run up a little bit. Michigan was fine with leaving some starters in there longer than I think you typically would have, especially in a spot with Penn State on deck. I mean, it is what it is. Everything around that program right now is, you know, it's going to be a bizarre end of the year with the sign-stealing scandal. You know, you saw what Ryan Walters said. I don't think Michigan, Michigan exactly liked that, but, you know, so be it. Um it doesn't matter. I mean, Ryan Walters is out nothing from what he said. So, you know, this is just a spot where Purdue's got a long way to go. And as it enters the stretch, Purdue has three games left. Bowl eligibility is completely out of the picture. You have to now start focusing on finishing strong and preparing for next year. And that's a really weird thing to do in the modern day of college football with the transfer portal 
because to a certain degree, you don't know who's all going to be back next year. You don't know who's not thrilled with their current playing time situation and is going to go in the portal. You don't know who is going to get higher NIL offers from different schools and go in the portal. You don't know who's going to be in the portal to bring in. You know, all of this is is something that goes on. So it's hard to kind of move that focus to next year like you might have done in years past. But that's what the season's about now. Purdue has to try to finish these games strong. These are not great teams. Minnesota, Northwestern, Indiana, they're not great teams. Go out, see if you can take a couple of those down. Four and eight, three and nine, five and seven. You know, it's not the win total that matters, but it's the vibe. You don't want to lose to Indiana. That would be a big bummer. You can't do that if you're Purdue. Um, Northwestern's a bad team. You don't want to lose to them. But, you know, as we sit here, Purdue did make field goals. That's a very welcome sign. Ben Freehill knocked in both of his attempts. But, you know, overall, just a long day for Purdue. Um, one you knew was coming. One that Purdue knew was coming. But now it can kind of put that in the rearview mirror. Move on. Uh, at least it's over to a certain degree. Purdue now can move on to what's to come in the rest of the year. Um, all right. That's about all I've got on football. So basketball tips off tomorrow, uh, November 6th. It's November 5th as I'm recording this. So some of you might be listening to this after basketball plays Samford. If you are, sorry. Um, record this when I record this. But uh, look, some final thoughts here from exhibition play going into the regular season. That Arkansas game was a really big deal. Uh, that's a great experience for this team. And I know it didn't go Purdue's way. You know, these reports that are, I, I have to assume, pretty accurate, that Purdue didn't really do a ton of prep for the Arkansas game, that it was really just Purdue kind of going out there ready to play and Arkansas doing, you know, quite a bit of extensive prep on Purdue, then, I mean, I think you feel pretty good about the outcome. I, I think it's reasonable to believe that some of those turnovers could have been cut down with more advanced preparation. I, I, that's an advanced, that's a conclusion that I would jump to. Um, you know, to play a team like that in an environment like that, because that's not something you're going to get for a while. Purdue has a very good non-conference schedule. Purdue also only plays one true road game before the new year, and that's at Northwestern, where see about student support, but if the student section is not in full force, it's going to be Purdue, a Purdue partisan crowd. Um, that's a good experience for this team to get under its belt. That's something it's going to be dealing with all year, so it's good to start it now. But Purdue has to, you know, Purdue has to learn from it, and I think it will. Few programs learn from things better than Purdue's. I think you look at this; it's two games left to figure everything out. Uh, the it's better competition than what you had in Grace. Samford's a pretty good mid-major team. Uh, for those of you listening before tip-off tomorrow. But just in general here, you know, you get two games to kind of figure things out before you get thrown into a gauntlet. And once you get thrown in that gauntlet, you know, it 
it doesn't really slow down until the season's over. You know, you go, you get through Maui, and then you have Alabama and Arizona after you have two Big Ten games. Then you go into Big Ten play, and we know what that is. It's it's a challenging season. Uh, I'm certainly going to be keeping my eye on Camden Heidi and Miles Colvin in some of these games. They absolutely raise the ceiling of the team. How ready are they to flirt with that potential is the real question. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. That's kind of what Purdue's got to figure out here. And that's not the easiest thing to go figure out. But those guys are going to be worth watching because they bring some real athleticism. They do some things differently. Uh, like Camden Heidi going baseline against Arkansas and yamming it is something we don't see a ton of. We have not seen a ton of that at Purdue recently. Miles Colvin has athletic ability that we have not seen a ton of at Purdue recently. So how ready they are to play a key role, I'd be shocked if Colvin redshirted. I know that that talk has gone around a little bit. I don't see it. You never know. But I personally don't see that happening at all. Um, I I think you know this is going to be a long season. It's... I'm looking forward to it because it's going to be a blast to have, you know, for Purdue fans, it's going to be a blast to have a top five preseason team, a loaded up schedule, the returning national player of the year. That's fun. But if you are the Twitter type, if you're on the message board types, uh, it's going to be a long year because every win is going to be poo-pooed as much as anything. Uh, with the, oh, well, it's not March. It doesn't matter yet. And every loss will be viewed as, this is why Purdue can't get it done in the NCAA tournament. It's going to be exhausting. Uh, It's not going to be a fun season. I think, I don't know how well Purdue's players can prepare for that. I don't know that you do prepare for that. But that's going to be a huge obstacle for them to overcome. Um, that's, that's not going to be easy on them. You've, you've seen that already, you know, the last couple years, Purdue fans have ratcheted things up a little bit and we'll see what goes on, but it's going to be a fascinating year. It really is. I wanted to answer a quick basketball question on the way out here and go on this in a little, you know, a little detail. Longtime listener asked, though, Arkansas made me think about it with Edie being aggressive on defense and getting into foul trouble. But do you think Matt Painter might actually encourage Zach Edie to be more aggressive on defense or alter more shots now that the rest of the front court is a year more developed and has relatively more depth? This is a good question. And I've seen some thought about this. Yes and no. I mean, so Edie really didn't foul last year. It was pretty nuts. Uh, the guy rarely was in foul trouble, if ever. So do we see that happen again this year? I'm going to guess no. I mean, I'm going to guess he's in foul trouble a little more. The officials will be looking for him more. That's not a good thing. Uh, you know Big Ten coaches, especially Tom Izzo, were really pushing for more stuff to get fouled, uh, get called on Edie. That typically works when it comes from Tom Izzo. That's going against him. But just in general, 
I think you'll see Edie be a little more aggressive, but also I don't know that you want to have him be more aggressive because you're okay with his backups. I think that's not a bridge too far, but I I think that's dangerous because Trey Kaufman run, Caleb first, very good players. Wilberg looked good in the exhibition. Don't know if he'll be a big contributor this year, but nonetheless, looked good. But they're not Zach Eady. You're such a better team with Zach Eady on the court than you are without Zach Eady on the court. I think you need that. Um, I think you may see him be a little more aggressive on offense in terms of some of the stuff like we saw in the Grace game where he does the step through on a post move, you know, that at some point that's going to get called for a travel. I don't think it is, but at some point it's going to get popped for it. Um, whether that continues or not, will probably determine how viable it is for Edie to keep using that move a lot. But I think that's the area where you may see Zach Edie become more aggressive, maybe a little bit on defense, but at the same time, you know, you want his presence down low more so than jumping at a shooter to try to disrupt a shot. Great question, though. That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, it's going to be interesting in general this year to see how Zach Eady follows up his performance from last year. He was absolutely remarkable. Um, I'm sorry this episode's kind of short. You know, right now there's just not a ton to say about Purdue football. Um, three winnable games. I'll be back here on Wednesday to record the Minnesota preview. We'll talk about Samford. We'll look to Moorhead State, talk hoops in general. Um, got some good stuff planned, though. You know, basketball cranks up. And then with football, once football comes to an end, we'll take a look at what's next for Purdue in a couple of weeks following the bucket game. So I'm excited for that. Be sure, if you don't already, follow the show on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to send in those questions on Twitter or over email. I will be back here on Wednesday. Until then, guys, take care.